Thank you for joining us today on Property Talk from Louise's Lounge. My name is Louise Heatley and I'm Managing Director of Exclusive Links Real Estate. With over 17 years in the real estate industry, I know a few things and I know a few people. And through our series of podcasts, it's an opportunity for us to discuss some interesting topics, some insights into the real estate market, have some guest attendees, and it's also an opportunity for you to meet some of our team. On today's episode, we have Zan Yuanki, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Property Monitor. Zan has previous international real estate experience in New York before taking his career to the next level as CEO of Keller Williams Dubai and Middle East. He then transitioned from the brokerage side of the real estate industry into the PropTech and FinTech segments as COO of Property Monitor the UAE's leading real estate data analytics and market intelligence platform. Suzanne, welcome back. Thank you for joining me a second time. Great for having me. Thank you. It's a year. One year. It has. It has. It's gone quick, hasn't it? We're going to get you every H at the end of every H. Yeah, I guess July is my month. (laughs) Yes. Just keep July free for us, please. But no, great having you. And as as we were talking before, um, we had a lot of followers, a lot of people interesting. So I think data... It's all very interesting subjects. So we're going to get to the overview of each one. Um, but first, yourself being uh, the real estate, the UAE's leading real estate um, data analytics um, platform, what do you think about the release by DLD of all of the data recently and their, their shared transparency? Yeah, so it's great. I mean, it's something that we've been advocating for for, for a while. Right? We've had a platform for a number of years. We've taken the limited amount of data that's been there and really had to do a lot of work on it to make it usable for industry professionals. Right? Um, and with DLD now releasing more of that data, it, it helps us, helps us provide more back. Uh, it also now for the first time really puts something that's usable in the consumer's hand because we're, we're B2B, right? We yeah. service the professionals, the industry, not really towards consumers. We leave that to our clients to take care of. Mm-hmm. Now the DLD's got it out there, consumers have access to it. So it also now, it, it adds transparency, but it also brings a little of accountability to the professionals that use it because mm-hmm. you can't hide things. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the data's out there for everyone. Um, I've seen it happen in different markets, right? In the markets we grew up in, data's been out for a number of years, right? Not in the best forms, but then you might have someone that picks it up, they do something with it, but there's always that ability to check the data, right? To look up a property's history or something, to know what the the brokerage agent's telling you is is based around data and facts. Mm. Now that's here, it's great, but it comes with a catch-22, right? Sometimes it's too much data for the consumer. Mm. It's one thing to have it, it's another to interpret it. I was going to say, you think they misunderstand the information, so they still need a little bit of help in... Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big part for brokers going forward. Um, Brokers provide a service, right? And part of that service is being able to help someone understand the market. So while a consumer might have access to more data now, it's great. They may not always interpret it the right way. There may be things that are missing. Even now that we have access to greater data, we're still cleansing it. Mm. We're still augmenting it. We're still adding things to it to make that more granular and usable to tell a, a true story of things. Um, so now you'll see agents have be more empowered with data, but they're going to have to guide consumers through it because um, the first glance, it might not be saying what they think it's saying. Mm, absolutely. I think it's the early stages and it's just another development 
in the real estate and, and transparency in the market, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, with transparency comes confidence, right? Yes. So you're going to see that. And I think one of the changes you might start to see is it, a lot of what we talk about might be on the individual side or the smaller investor side. But when a market becomes more and more transparent, that's when you start to see institutional money come in. Mm. So we don't have outside REITs and pension funds investing here yet. Um, yet. Uh, yet. Um, and the reason they don't is their job is to mitigate risk. Mm. They can't, a pension fund's not going to invest in something that they can't be relatively sure what the risk is. So with greater transparency, that is a big play for them when they can start to really gauge risk. So we may see more of that institutional capital come in. Oh, great. Great for the market, for sure. So let us talk a little bit about the current state of the mortgage market and the yeah. lending. How have you seen that? Oh, it's a big yeah. one. <laughs> it's, it's probably the hot topic of the year. Um, look, we've benefited from favorable rates, record low rates for such a long time, right? Which were even better during the pandemic. It was about getting money in, getting activity happening. Um, everyone knew it was coming, right? Hikes were going to come. Because we're pegged to the dollar, right? We're directly linked to what the US is doing. So we've already seen three rate hikes, right? There are another four to five, four more meetings this year, five more meetings this year. The next one actually in a couple of weeks time. Mm. Probably expect to see rate hikes come through all of them at varying percentages. Mm -hmm. um, what's going to end up happening is that that federal funds rate, the overnight rate that banks lend, you're probably going to see that go from what was the target rate of 0.25 or 25 basis points up to 3%. Okay. Right? The effect of that, what that means for a consumer on a mortgage, when they might have been getting a mortgage, say a three-year fixed or a five-year fixed at uh, 2.5 or 3%, that will actually now change if someone's getting that to probably more like 6% by next okay. year. So that's what you're going to start to see a, a three or five-year fixed mortgage at a 6% interest rate. Um, which is fine. I mean, my last mortgage was at six and a quarter. I was going to say, you know, my, my first investment in Dubai, and was a long time ago, um, I'm sure my mortgage uh, interest rate was around 6.9, yeah. 7%, and it was, it was a great market then when I first Yeah, so I think the thing is when you, when you were taking the mortgage, my last mortgage in the US was a 30-year fixed, right? So you have that security going and knowing, all right, so it's six and a quarter, but I've got that for 30 years. I know what my month is going to be. So fixed products are great. Yeah, you know the affordability moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. The problem here is going to be the variable side, right? Or when the fixed period ends. Because here you might take out a mortgage for 25 years, but it's got a three or a five year fixed period, and then it goes to that variable. Mm. Right? Or you take one out from day one at variable. That's the scary part. If someone took one out, a completely variable mortgage last year at two and a half, every percentage point, say on a, a two million mortgage, right? every percentage point in the mortgage rate that goes up, it's going to be about a thousand dirhams extra in the monthly payment. Right. So if you go from three to six, yeah. can you handle so 3,000 yeah. plus extra a month? Yeah. Right? That's a huge amount of extra debt coming in. Um, so what will probably happen and what we're already starting to see is less mortgages. Okay. I'm going to contradict myself, but less mortgages in general. Um, we're going to see a, a trend that goes back to sort of that long-term average. So there was about 12 or 1300 mortgages happening if you look at the last sort of five-year average, that would be the monthly rate of mortgages. Right. It went up to well over 2,000. Oh um, it's a big increase. Yeah, and that was, and it sort of peaked uh, January 2021 um, at about 4,000 mortgages that month. Wow, right? but you see that coming down? It's been coming down okay. consecutively. Um, and that was probably the, that was when prices really started to run away as well. And you started to see mortgages coming down, and then when rate hikes started to get talked about last year, in December we saw an uptick. Mm. Right. And then after the first hike, you started to see it go down. Right. Um, 
overall number of mortgages. And then we break them down to kind of three categories. You've got your new purchase mortgages. So I'm buying a property, taking a mortgage. You've got your refinance or remortgage. I own somewhere, I don't have a mortgage or I do, and I'm gonna lock in a different rate or it's come to an end of its fixed period. And then you've got bulk mortgages, which would be more than one mortgage. So an investor that might have multiple units that mortgages them either a portfolio or at the same time. Um, we've seen the percentage of new mortgages start to drop down every rate hike. Um, with a peak right after the hike. It's, yeah. <laughs> the opposite's true for the refinance and remortgage. We've started to see that go up. Okay, why is that? I think what you're seeing is that people that are thinking about buying and taking a mortgage, it just gets to the point where they're priced out. Yeah. Right? It's gone up, we were gonna pay this, maybe we're already stretching, maybe we don't wanna the, stretch. Missed the boat. Exactly, and they're like, we're not gonna take that extra part now. We don't want to take that on. As opposed to someone that's already got the property, already got the mortgage. Mm. If it's coming up to that reset or the fixed rate period ending, they just want to lock it in. Yeah. Right? So they're seeing those rate hikes, they're locking it in there. Um, last hike we had, <laughs> the week after that, mortgages went from, well, it, went, it was the highest weekly mortgage count since December last year. So a six month high and one week after rates went up their Gosh, highest ever. Okay, wow. So last month actually ended up high on mortgages, uh, but I think what we're going to see long term over the next couple of quarters is that number just start Coming to drop slowly and slowly um, back to the long term average, which is which is good, yeah. healthy. Yeah, um, it's it's when it's too high and the increases are too excessive, it's almost like Ooh. <laughs> you want you, you yeah. know myself personally, I like the sustainability. I like the slow and steady is what we want. Slow and steady, <laughs> slow, like slow and steady is <laughs> yeah. good. Otherwise things. The quicker they go up, the quicker they come down. Yeah. But one of the things that's going to happen is we've seen a lot of end users start buying, right? Move away from renting and then start buying. And most of those did that through a mortgage, right? They're not coming up with 100% of the payment, they're taking a mortgage. Now that mortgages might become cost prohibitive for some, they go back to the rental market. I was going to say, what <laughs> impact is this having on the rental? Because we've actually had a bit of a slower in the rental while yeah. sales have been, but you're going to see that adjust. Yeah, and so you've seen it, and especially in the villa communities, you've seen limited supply, and it just becomes supply and demand, right? Limited mm -hmm. supply, more demand, prices go up. Now you're gonna take a portion that wasn't chasing the rental market, they were going after buying, mm -hmm. now won't because of mortgages, so it's gonna probably put in some communities more pressure on that rental market, which will up pressure on pricing. Mm -hmm. um, so you're gonna see that rental market, there'll be implications there where some will go up, Apartments on the other side, I think there's still so much inventory out there. Those those same dynamics don't exist in some of the communities. Yeah, um, it's not right across the board. Yeah, so you and that may change what we saw during pandemic, right? You saw people go from from multifamily high density housing into single family villa and townhouses. Mm. Now they may be forced back towards that for some. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a little about about the the mortgages and the impacts having on the market. But what about the availability of the cash, the high net worth clients coming into Dubai? How's yeah. that been? Oh, there's a lot of cash in the market. Yeah. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of cash in the market. Um, it's coming all from the international market? Yeah, I mean, so the, if you take your, your historic investors in the region, right, we'll rule them out of the discussion because they really not changed that much. So your, your GCC countries, India and Pakistan, the UK, that's kind of been the core outside They've investment. They've always been investors. It's always yeah. been here and they probably always will be. Mm. Um, over the last sort of six to nine months, Western Europe, mm. um, a lot more from Western Europe coming in, um, and more recently, Russia, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, and one of the, I mean, the ruble tanked when this conflict happened. Um, if you look at it today, it's about 50% higher than it was previous. 
So the Russians have more buying power now. So that, that ruble is going much, much further than it did, say, six months ago or even two years ago. So, so you're starting to see more and more of those coming in and buying in the market, which I think is propping up certain segments. Mm -hmm. um, that high net worth or ultra high net worth, there's a lot that's coming to fill that gap. Right? So you're seeing certain communities where look, the palm is... is, is Still a crazy. I market. don't know how your, how brokers <laughs> go about pricing things now because even if you look at the data, you uh, can't. We, we had a record transaction, two hundred and eighty million this year. Yes, we right. all saw that. Yeah, that surpasses the previous record of one hundred and eighty-five million for all of Dubai, also on the Palm. Almost a hundred million difference. Yeah. Right? That one that sold for one eighty-five, by the way, today it's probably worth about a half billion. It's three plots, it's massive. Maybe that'll be our next biggest sale. <laughs> Let's see if they have a move. Past the 280, yeah. yeah. But you've seen so much in there, and I think you've also seen developers respond to it, right? Um, developers have started to put more luxury products, more high-end product mm. into the market. Um, ticket prices that, that we typically weren't seeing for, for a lot of off-plan. More of those villa communities coming in high-end. You've got some stuff on the Palm that was mm. trading at 6,500 dirhams a square foot. Mm. Starting prices from the 8 million plus plus. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. High-end luxury products. for And, high and more and more of it coming. So. Yeah, absolutely. So just because we touched on the rental market, the DLD, recent agreement with Emirates NBD. Yes. And checks <laughs> well, big, we big, checks. big fingers crossed on this yeah, one yeah what do you feel about that i think it's great mm. um it's new but not new uh, and if we look at some of the markets that, that we grew up in i was paying my rent by direct debit in australia 20 years ago right and it's not to say dubai is not proactive and other things there was the it's been that check culture mm. and it's been it because there was a lot of protections around checks mm. you used to go to jail if you yeah. bounced a check and it was so there was that. that extra security with it which is of course that's going to people are going to gravitate to that mm. um so there's kind of two components to it one the payment mechanism but two the check frequency right and they, they're linked, but they're also independent right so what what's happened now it's limited information that's been released so i'll, I'll I'll make a couple of jumps, knowing some information in general about how they work. Um, going forward very soon, there'll be a formal way for, for tenants to pay their rent by direct debit from their account, either from a, a checking or savings account um, or from their credit card. Um, doing that, you'll enter an agreement. So you have your lease and then you'll have a direct debit authorization. That's another legally binding agreement. And you're committing to a number of payments on, a, on fixed dates, Right? It's a standing that's order for money to come out. Separate to your rental agreement. Yeah, yeah, so you've got that. It's just another way. Think of that. That's your checks. That's your checks. That agreement it? is your, your 1, 2, 12, whatever checks it is. It's just a different mechanism for it coming out. Mm -hmm. um, the legal recourse, from my understanding, is the same. Mm -hmm. It falls into the same provisions of the law. So checks are now decriminalized if you bounce one under certain circumstances. So it'll be a civil matter, and it will be the same way if someone fails on a direct debit and it's not made good on, the same legal recourse if it was a check. So yeah. for a landlord, it makes sense. For a tenant, huge sense. It's just easier. From a landlord, it's just ease, mm. too. Money's coming in. It's there. You don't have to worry about checks, depositing them. It's the worst payment method in the world. Mm. It's the most expensive and laborious to take care of. Yeah. I mean, I've had checks bounce because my signature isn't perfect. Yeah. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, on our property management division, I think every day we're popping it in 40, 50 checks. 
and it's just a slight signature and then to get them back and then replace them it's it's tedious and almost. then you're going to get the money the cash flow side of it's yeah, then impacted yeah. so this will be it'll be great to see that happen um unsure if it's just going to be mbd or others i think that it's going to have to be multiple lenders for it to really be successful and look it's not new wassell's been doing this with their own properties for, mm -hmm. for a couple of years now yeah. stico did it back i think 2018 so it, it's it's there it's been in the region now mm -hmm. it's just Stronger. And it's through the DOD, so yeah. that's always helpful. Um, second part to it, so payment mechanism, it, it just makes sense for people to avail it and use it. Mm. Check frequency. So people have made the assumption that this means monthly, monthly installments. No. It's still <laughs> going to follow the same standards. It's going to be like... Three to four, which is the majority. Exactly, that's, which is good now. Most have shifted to, to this three or four. Mm. Um, some landlords may go to more, um, some may still want just one check, yeah. right? And that might be some of the leverage they have in negotiating a new lease with someone or someone coming in, but that doesn't automatically change with this. Yes. I don't think you're gonna see DOD ever mandate that it has yeah. to be X it's number of checks. It's not gonna change the frequency, that's just gonna be the market yeah. conditions, yeah. Realistically, it should change, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at, and you'd know this from the property management side, mm -hmm. the default rate on more frequent payments is much lower than someone that's doing one or two installments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a more manageable for them, so you don't have checks actually bouncing because of insufficient funds. Mm -hmm. So it lowers the risk, but then you've got landlords that just really like that. Well, I've got my six months in my pocket. Yeah. I've got cash to play that's what with. they've been used to because that's been the market in Dubai for so long. Yeah, but why has it been the market? It's because how the market started, right? It was a hardship post, right? You came here, you got that nice package from your employer, and what did they do? They paid your rent in one check. Mm. So people just got used to it in the beginning from that way, and that's just a legacy issue that's there that it's not a hardship post anymore, and it's just kind of stuck with the market. Landlords got used to it. A lot of them invested because of that, so it's just stuck around. But I think it's the international investors as well, because I know a lot of my UK owners, for example, yeah. monthly payments, absolutely not a problem. And from starting a business 17 years ago to now, there is a lot more frequency of the 12 checks. Yeah. It was, don't even ask, <laughs> you know, 17 <laughs> years ago, what, 12 checks? Now it's... It's, uh, it's, it's changing, yeah. it's, it's evolving. I think one day we'll see it be monthly. Yeah, right. I think my accountants are gonna love this though. Yes. Every day, popping in those checks, processing them, I think this oh, it's, is, it's, it's a great it's so a great much easier. And yeah. I think you'll actually see that, that direct debit extend to other parts of the business as well. And we're looking, we can do it now, do away with checks. Right? and to move more towards this. Absolutely. Um, so before sharing us the H1 report, which we're yep. dying to get to, um, can you talk us about the current state and the sustainability of the market? Sure. Um, I'll try not to throw too many numbers in. Right? Please do. <laughs> we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep it somewhat light. <laughs> um, look, the market's good, right? Um, it's surprising in some aspects. Uh, the number of transactions that we see happening, um, it's, it's through the roof. Yeah. Technical term, through the roof. Um, Year to date, I think it's about 45,000 transactions have happened. Um, How is that compared to each one? You know I'm going to throw yeah. that in 2021. Yeah. It's 45,000 Oh, we're up about 60% on H1 oh, last year. And last year was good. Yeah. What the interesting part is, is that in the first six months of this year, we've already done 70% of the transactions from last year. 70%. Okay. Yeah. So in so a full it, year of 2021, in yeah. six months... 70% Yeah. So you're going to more than likely see a record number of transactions this year. Mm -hmm. um, I like to look at transactions, the, the, the volume of transactions, as opposed to the value. Right? Um, real estate's a transactional business. More transactions, better. Bigger ticket prices, also better, but 
fewer transactions and still high ticket prices isn't good for the bigger ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? Especially when running a brokerage and other things, you want a share of that market. Yeah. So more transactions. Um, where do I think it's going to go? Um, it's not sustainable at this pace, mm. right? Uh, it's a good, healthy pace, and we're starting to see prices moderate, which is what we want. We don't want to see the number of transactions and prices run away at the same time. So we're starting to see it moderate. A big reason why you're seeing so many transactions now is because of off-plan projects. Developers are back in full swing. Right? So you're, you're seeing that part of the market happen. And we were talking about the high price stuff before. There's a whole bunch of stuff that fits the other areas of the market, mm -hmm. from your your budget and lower end. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily mean on quality. I mean on a price per square foot basis. Um, and then in your mid, the mid market, that main market, and then as you go up that chain to these bigger ticket prices and price per square foot. Really. And developers are being strategic now, mm -hmm. right? They are building across that spectrum to different areas. And there is a bit of balance, but it is starting to get a, a, maybe a little too, too aggressive. Okay. I like to be cautious with it. Yeah. So, yeah. look, market's healthy. It's strong. Um, H1 has been one of the best, if not the best, ever on the number of transactions. Um, can you elaborate more on the H1 report then? What can you? Yeah, can we, give we, us? Can, we can yeah, get into let's some get, of it. Let's get into um, the H1 2022. Rather than do too much on the uh, the number of, of transactions and everything else in there, I'll talk about it more about the dynamics of what's been fueling it and where mm -hmm. it's going. Right. So we've historically, I mean, to buy say 20 years old, right? there was pretty much nothing here and then there's off-plan properties that started. So you had this high number of off-plan transactions um, and then you started to have resales, right? completed projects and you start to have resales. And if we look at, say, the last 10 years, the average has been about 60-40. Actually, let's not do the last 10. Take out the last two. Pre-COVID, we were looking at 60-40. 60, quite consistently yeah, throughout the time. Pretty much ebbs and flows here and there. I mean, sometimes you get developers to a bigger project. So something like uh, here, right? <laughs> Dubai Hills yeah. Estate comes online. Big projects, there's been an in, influx within sort of a year, 18-month period. Um, but that 60-40 split's been there. When lockdown happened, the only thing that was transacting was off-plan, and that split for like two months went way out of proportion. But immediately following that, it started to go the other direction. Mm. Right? 60-40 in the favor of resale and completed properties. So we saw that go through and that's where the recovery happened. We saw a lot of people go into, I want a Reddit property right now, I want a villa or a townhouse, and that's where we saw the first part of the recovery happen. And it's been about that 60-40 split um, up until say a year ago. Um, and then it started to slowly tip back in the favor of off-plan as developers come back in and more and more is coming more international investors coming into the market Yeah, that's well. another thing, right? We had so many that just loved the way Dubai and the UAE handled what happened throughout COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, it made it even more attractive to come here. Visa reforms and other things, there's a whole bunch to attract people coming in here. Um, so it switched that way. Um, now with more and more projects coming in, the dynamics are now going back to what they were before. It's another reversion okay. back to it's what we, with we've seen. What we've always had really now, it's switching back. Exactly. Yeah. So this year, handovers wise, um, that stuff that's gone through construction, it's got its final completion, it's now handing over, coming online in the market for people to occupy. Um, we're at about, um, let's see, about 15,000 as of the end of last month in and we're forecasting by the end of the year about 35,000 units total coming in. Okay. Uh, good, healthy number, pretty much the same as last year. These are projects that started two, three, four years ago. They're coming in now. Launches is the fun part to track. Um, 
Haven't closed out the numbers for, for June yet, so I can't give you the full two quarters. Okay. Um, but up until the end of May, uh, we saw about 16,000 new units launched this year. Compared to what would have been last year? Significantly lower, less than lower. 10. Yeah. <laughs> year before that, even more, because developers really tightened up. Mm. Things weren't happening. That's what they should have done, because yeah. we were in... I'll talk about it a little bit. You've got four phases of a real estate market cycle, right? And they're economic terms, and don't get scared when I say recession. <laughs> um, it's just the down part of it. That's the down part of it, yeah. right? So if you look at it as a wave, yeah. right? You've got that top of the market, right? And that's when you transition from uh, expansion phase to a hypersupply phase. And that's typically exactly what it sounds like. Oversupply, too much is mm. there. And then you come down from that, and the next quarter, is the recession phase. Mm -hmm. right? And we go through that recession phase, then we bottom out, and then we go into recovery phase. And then we go into the expansion phase. Where are we now? We're in expansion. Mm -hmm. We are smack bang in the middle of expansion. Does a reset phase usually follows? Always. To some extent, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's a market cycle, yeah. it is a wave. It happens. The, the space between the peaks and troughs of that is what matters. Mm -hmm. right? We went from the previous recovery, we went from the trough to the peak in about two years. And then we went through the next two ones, six to seven years, right? You don't want to be in a six to seven year down cycle, yeah. right? Right now, we are almost coming up to that same point. Right? I think we are now 18, 19 months, no, actually more, it's 20 months now. It'll be 20 months now, I think, for our recovery cycle. Um, the last recovery cycle only ran four more months before it started on that downturn. We also saw price appreciate much quicker in those months. You were seeing month-on-month -month price increases of 2%, 2.5%, 3%. spurt just before it comes Yeah, and it was like you'd see a yeah. lot almost every month, and you're seeing this, this growth going. That in itself tells you that things are running away too quickly. Mm -hmm. What I've been talking about for a while now, I'm wanting to see, we are seeing. We're seeing these small 1.5%, sub 1% numbers. Um, year to date, I think we're up about 5%, right? From, from January to the end of end of June, the market's appreciated on whole across all communities, all property types, 5%. Mm. Take that to last year, the same first six months of the year, it was 11%. Mm. Right, so it's starting to moderate the price appreciation. slow down a little bit Which now. is what we, we want to see. see. stabilizing. Yeah. That's healthy. Mm. Moderate price appreciation with high transaction growth, it, that, that's good. Right? That's a mm. nice, strong, sensible market. Prices aren't running away. Um, they may, if they slow down, they'll taper. We just have to watch the new inventory coming in because this is what always happens, right? When's the best time to buy? Bottom of the, bottom yeah, of the yeah, market, you're right? Often, sorry, you are asking me. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you never know when that is, yeah, right? Yeah. You only know once you've passed it, right? So a couple of, say, three months or six months, say a quarter or two, once you start to see price appreciation, that's the safe time, right? You're confident the worst is behind us. That's when developers typically start new projects. Right. And this is, I'm speaking globally now, right? They'll typically start there and it'll be the bigger developers, the more mature ones, those that have healthy balance sheet and can take on if there is any risk. You saw that, yeah. right? The quasi-government developers, the other bigger developers have been doing a lot of projects. Then as you go up, now you start to get your small developers come in and we're starting to see that, right? A lot more of the smaller, the mid and small developers, some with a lot of really good track records, they're rebuilding, they're, they're doing projects now, bringing old projects back online. A lot of them out in JVC and other areas. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next phase we'll see is new developers come in. Um, 
more be regulations for new developers. There is to a lot try like, and make sure that it's not just like it was last time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before, if you had a, yeah. a million dollars in a plot, yeah, you <laughs> you're, away with you're it. a developer. Yeah. There's a lot of regulations they have to go through to make sure they're financially secure to fill exactly. That and there's yeah. escrow laws and other things in there, and DOD plays very close attention to what's launching and making sure that there's things to mitigate that risk coming in. But they don't throttle the amount of supply. Mm. There is the committee that, mm. that is there. They fit a regulation and then it's a free-for-all. They don't manage yeah. the, the, the... And look, they, and they shouldn't excessively manage it either. Mm. Markets will Stuff always go market. through these cycles. Um, so you're going to start seeing more of these developers come in. So one of the things to watch is this number of new launches. How many units are coming to the market? Um, I said we're at 16,000 now for the first five months. Expect to at least double that for the rest of the yeah, year, so wow. we'll probably see in the mid 30,000s come on, um, which is, a, it's a, again, it's a good number. It'll match probably the handovers, right? So good number around that there. If it gets, say, past 50,000 is when I'd start to get a little cautious. Don't like that bit. <gasps> Too much, too much. Could, yeah. could, could, could be too much. Could <laughs> yeah. be too much. Just when we were talking about the mortgages before and obviously the interest rates going up, do you think that will change the supply again of the resale market next year and, and um, slow down because there's too much off-plan launches and then we'll see another boost to the resale market perhaps? Um, or what's your thoughts? I think that the resale market has had its high point. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be unpopular saying this. <laughs> we all had a, if we all had a crystal ball, I think, so this I is think it's come. It's, it, it's had its high point. Prices have, a, they'll, they'll keep going up, mm -hmm. but it's going to slowly appreciate. Yeah. Right? Whereas before we were seeing, you'd sell one villa, uh, same one in the same community a month later, was selling for 5 or 10% more. And, and you could sell villas six months later and people had made a healthy profit on it. And it's not realistic. It's not. And you, you expect that bounce from the bottom of the market, right? But that can't keep going. And we're seeing that price, that appreciation slow. So that's good. But it's just gotten to a point where now some villas in certain communities, they're sitting on the market, right? And the sellers are probably asking for something that's right where the market is, but there's less buyers that are willing to stretch to that. Some are still too aggressive on pricing, thinking they can get that 5 or 10% above mm. last sale. Still keeping it high. So you're going to see, I think, resale in, in especially villas and townhouses has probably had its, we'll call it a peak. Mm. Maybe it's heyday. It's rapid part where it was most there. It will start to slow down. Apartment still has a, a ways to run. With the amount of new product coming in from developers, I think you're going to see much more growth there. Also tied to the mortgages, right? Mm. Off plan's great in a lot of ways, right? Um, it is payments over time, right? You're paying a deposit and then you've got installments or whatever developers got, and then you typically got a balloon payment at the end. Mm. And there's still a lot of post handover plans. That's what's going to come back, mm. right? So there's there's some, and it's typically the smaller developers, mm. like your your EMAs, your, your mm. DPs and others, they're not really doing them right mm. now. They don't need to right now, but, but the post handover plans, it's great to get your investment, yeah. paying 50%, yeah. and you've got your product. And it will come back in. if As the mortgage market tightens, developers will bring it back in, not necessarily because they have to, but they'll do it because there's opportunity there. Mm. Right? If you can attract that person that goes, well, look, I might be scared that in three years that mortgage rates are at six or seven percent, right? But I can secure now a post handover payment with a developer where I know that I'm going to have three, five year post handover, like, and here's my installment. It's like the fixed mortgage almost again. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah. Um, so just talking about the off plan and post handover plans. 
Yeah, I think that's something where you're really going to see them come. They're here, right? But I think you're going to start to see more and more come back in, especially in with the mortgage market tightening. Um, so developers have been offering them. They're a great way for someone to come into the market and have their payments spread out over time. Um, you've it's seen higher returns as well if you're only paying 50%. You get your keys, you rent or you live there and yeah. you're getting a lot better. Yeah, Yeah. so you'll see while the big developers right now might not be offering them, I think you'll start to see them doing it, not because they have to, but because they see opportunity in the market. Mm. Tighter mortgage market means there'll be some people ruled out of the, of the market there. If developers can entice them in, and then you can go into buying a property and knowing, all right, so two or three years, it's gonna hand over, I'm not gonna have a balloon payment, I'm not gonna to have to worry if mortgage rates have gone six to 7%, right? that unknown's gone, developer's gonna give me an X number of years post handover payment plan, I know what my installments are, whether they're monthly, quarterly, and it can sort of manage that there. Um, so I think you will see more of those payment plans come in in the next couple of quarters and then definitely into next year. Yeah. Do you find it's a more secure for the investors as well because they know what they have to pay. They're not, oh, I'll worry about that later. Yeah. And then getting into default situations. So it's a bit of a secure investment. It's a bit of a secure investment. I mean, I, you want to see those post handover elements still a smaller percentage, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to see something that's 20% during construction, 80% on handover. That just puts so much pressure on a developer because a mm -hmm. defaulter that comes in, mm -hmm. they've, they've not collected much a money. A bit of a there. balance, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's, it's just has to have that balance where the right number's there. A 50-50 scenario where it's 50 during construction, 50 on handover, say over five years, is probably going to be a really manageable plan. Mm, for sure. So anything else you want to add on the Dubai market so where are we going that's what everyone wants to know um, <laughs> the crystal ball out and yeah. I'll give you some indicators to look for right because no one knows where it's going to go and the data can only tell us so much um, the good thing is is that things repeat just like I was talking about the waves of the market cycle there's certain things that you'll see happen that point to what's next yeah we've got historic history there and it's, it's history there kind of and it's not just to buy history yeah it's history of any real estate market we can apply here. There's different tweaks to it, but what we're gonna see and we're seeing right now is so we're, like I mentioned, recession phase, recovery phase, and then the expansion phase. We are well into the expansion phase. What you see in the expansion phase is a lot of new construction, right? So new projects coming on, check, we're seeing that. You start to see vacancy rates drop, right? They start to decline. You start to see rent prices appreciate. Right? So we've got check, 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 all pointing where we are in there. Right? When do we know that we're in hypersupply? Right? Development's still strong. Right? Probably shouldn't be, but it still is because just like the recovery of the market, when do you know to stop building? Well, once you're a few quarters behind. Yeah. Right? What you'll start to see is vacancy rates start to increase more. Right? or inventory stay on the market longer. Right? Absorption rates start to slow where properties aren't selling as fast. Um, prices start to drop on the rental market because of vacancy. Mm. Prices start to drop in the sales market right? because things aren't going as that's quickly, fine. so you will see price reductions. When you start to see those, that's when we're seeing that market shift. Mm. Right? Um, so there's some of the things to watch out for. The time frame for that, that that's the unknown. Given the way the market's performing now, I'm hopeful that it's going to be a much longer time period, that we could see a, a good 12, 18 months run before we start to see tip that, that turn of Coming the market. Down again, and let's not yeah. say a crash or anything, yeah, but yeah. where it starts to yeah, plateau just... and then starts to go through the natural cycles. Um, if supply gets excessive, mm. if price growth runs away too aggressively, we could see it much sooner. Mm.
Great. No, some great advice, and um, thank you again for contributing Happy to, be here. to the pleasure. episode. And as I say, keep next year free, next July. I'll be here. <laughs> we'll have a good conversation. We have to compare these, don't we? Look we back should to do H1. the predictions and see how we did. Yeah, so. we should look at it. We'll, everybody will be watching your first episode, episode yeah. six, and then we'll have a look at this one and see right, where so we're if, planning. So if mortgage rates are at six percent. Right, and the market started to turn downwards. Um, you owe me a coffee. <laughs> right, okay, agreed on camera, absolutely. Thank you again, Zan, and uh, been great as always to have you on awesome. board. Thank you for joining us today on Property Talk from Louise's Lounge. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and as always, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, please do get in touch with us, and I hope you tune in again soon.